0: Frank LaRosa. Connor Delaney founded the Good Life Companies in 2012 after seeing a gap in the marketplace for successful advisors that wanted a turnkey solution to support their independent financial advisory practice. Prior to that, he served as both a financial advisor and branch manager for Waddell and Reed Financial Services since 2005. After losing his father prematurely while in high school, Mr. Delaney entered the financial services industry full-time as a sophomore in college, obtaining both his securities, registrations, and insurance licenses while remaining a full-time student and NCAA athlete. Mr. Delaney was the driver behind creating Good Life Advisors, the advisor-owned RIA. Again, noticing a demand in the marketplace, a specialized model was created which afforded independent IARs the ability to own a piece of the RIA instead of just utilizing the RIA for the compliance services. He believes his responsibility is not just to oversee a company that delivers a great product to advisors looking to go independent, but also to help create more wealth for the advisor team by developing new assets and ideas for the firm. He believes in creating jobs and opportunities in communities around the country. To execute on this large responsibility, Mr. Delaney has surrounded himself with an executive team that includes veteran industry professionals and people with a long-established track history of building great companies in various marketplaces in the country. He joins Frank LaRosa mid-conversation.
1: What kind of recommendations are you giving your advisors so that they can feel secure with what they're doing in their practices?
2: Well, I mean, I think the first thing is how... how incredibly caught off everybody was by this right it's like i just am going through my head trying to think of something that would make sense and you know if you remember the super bowl a couple years ago seahawks versus the broncos and the first play of the game on the five yard line the center snaps it and it goes right over peyton manning's head and out of the back of the end zone and before you know it they're down 14 nothing and they're like wait a second we we, we, did, we just did the coin toss I was at 14 nothing already right that really was us a couple weeks ago right and so I think the hard thing for me, this is the first time that I'm leading an organization through this. I've been through 2007, 2008, the little blip in 2010. This is the first time though leading an organization with hundreds of people and thousands of families. I was caught as Peyton Manning was down 14, nothing like, wait a second, what just happened here? Right? The market was at an all time high 75 trading hours ago. And now we're talking about a recession or a depression. What's going on? So, organizationally, it's how do, we, how do we create stability there? And once we know that, okay, we're okay, we're, we can get off the ropes now, and we've used this as an opportunity to get better as an organization and maybe lean and become more efficient in certain areas, once that's done, then it's the message that we're communicating to our, our advisors. And so, the other thing that's kind of been a, this visual in my head is I played basketball growing up. And so, the time when your back's against the wall, you're in a playoff game, you're down 25 points, and you know, the coach is doing this, like, hey, give me a formula that's going to work to his te- to his bench. And his bench is like, hey, coach, how are you leading the team? I think what we need to do if we're people leading organizations is be the coach that is calm, cool, and collected and out front and standing on the court, even if your team is down by 30, coaching and leading them. And the same thing can apply to the advisor. You know, what's been neat about this particular situation that we're in, and I really hope that this is a story that we tell to our kids one day as they get older. In 2008, this is my opinion, but in 2008, Wall Street bailed and hedge funds bailed and the retail investor bailed and the market was, went through the floor because demand just evaporated because we had a systemic issue. The incredible thing that we've seen here in the last month is that the middle American clients, the small business owners, have said the line stops here. I get feels thinking about it. It's like the guy that owns an HVAC company with 75 employees that's like, look, I know I might need to push back my retirement for a couple of years, but there's no way I'm letting go of those employees. Like that's been awesome that the retail middle American business owner and family and financial advisor has all said, if America is gonna truly go down because of this or get knocked down because of this, they're gonna have to go through us first. That's a really neat thing because if the retail investor bailed on this market three weeks ago, we wouldn't be having this conversation as calmly and and, and normal as we are. It's almost galvanized the country.
1: I actually talk about, you know, if everything happens for a reason. You know, if we could throw a little bit of faith into this thing, I think that in a weird way, it's sort of God's way of pulling the country back together again because, you know, we were coming into an election that was going to get really probably nasty and, You know, to a degree, the country was sort of being really um, galvanized, uh, haves the have nots, the, you know, Republicans, Democrats, whatever, liberals, conservatives, doesn't really matter. And sort of in a a weird, in the rest of the country as well. And I just think in a a weird way, uh, if you could take something out of this or like what you're saying it's sort of bringing, bringing everyone back together again, like, hey, man, this thing is, this thing is taking no prisoners. I mean, black, white, green, purple, you know, straight gay. Th- it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Conservative, Republican, it uh, doesn't matter. Liberals, it just, it's just taking everyone. And so I think that we are going to be better for this thing. And, and you're right. And sort of had everybody draw a line in the sand and say, we're, we're Americans and we're, we're going to stick through this together.
2: You know, think back to 9-11. You were in Jersey. I was in Jersey. I was in high school. They converted my high school into a, a triage for people that were sick coming over you know, or people that were hurt that were coming over into our gym as a Red Cross shelter. And what did we see the next day? Almost instantaneous. Coming out of, I think I, I wasn't voting yet, but that was the Bush and Gore uh, debacle over over Florida and who's going to become president and everything. And, I hanging mean, chads. Yep. And think about what what happened. It took us twenty four hours to walk up the street in Red Bank and see on any residential street in the country American flags again, and to see, to see people that were standing up for the American flag and that were. We're we're praying for the police officers, the firefighters, the military people, the leadership in DC. It took a horrible thing that 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 united us, but how united were we? I remember coming back, the first pitch for the Yankees. I'm a big Yankee fan. Oh my god, that was awesome! You know George Bush stand up there in the World Series throwing the first pitch. It didn't matter that George Bush was a Republican Yeah, I know, Eagle
1: people said, coming down. It was awesome. Yep,
2: and what mattered was that he was a leader of the free world. And you know, that's, that's, you're right. You know, sometimes you need to have that kind of thing, that divider to get us to, to unite again. And, and hopefully that's, that's the moment that we're staring at the face right now, and that we can have a really cool story to tell on the other side. Of so, so
1: in talking about sort of
2: before and after, right, what do you think
1: advisors should be doing? So this is a great segue in terms of before, it's like pre pre virus and post virus. What do you think advisors should be doing now, moving forward, that they may not have been doing before this? Whether it's a service thing, whether you know they got complacent. I think I know. I know for me, I, I got a little complacent with certain things. Um, I think we all did. So, but leading a, a, a team of advisors, independent advisors, right? What do you think the one or two things? are that they should be doing now that they should have been doing
2: before so uh it's interesting you know i I just put something on facebook today and it talks about that in my opinion we're at the intersection of affliction and opportunity and it's it's not a matter of adversity we're all staring at it, right like we haven't been able to to talk or interact with people in weeks at this point although we're going to get there we're going to get back are you going to say that this was your opportunity to gain weight, lose your clients, drop the ball, feel like a victim, increase your alcohol, blah, blah, blah. Or are you going to say, this is my opportunity to to show the value that I've been desperately trying to show clients for years? You know, think about it. If you're an advisor, our job's been pretty easy for the last seven or eight years. You know, I talked to a guy that just came into our organization a couple of years ago. I said, Hey man, tell me what's, what is your value proposition? He goes, I've been in this business since 2012 and I haven't lost money. (laughs) I was like, Wow, man, that's, 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 that's interesting. None you of us, everybody else, right? Like none of us has, you know? So um, now we're in a position where we can articulate, if we can articulate our value proposition as financial advisors, you have clients that you're going to get today, get through this time that you're, that are going to be your clients for life because you were able to show your personal value system, your professional value system in a way that's going to stick with those people for years. I remember 2007, 2008, there were clients that were beat down after that they were mentally exhausted they were physically exhausted it was a horrible time those clients are still our clients 12 13 years later as courtney and i still practice in a little bit in the private practice as well as leading good life and there's a weird affinity with them that goes way deeper than their return last year and i think this is an opportunity for financial advisors to shine. And if they're in, if they're plugged into the right organization that is client first, client centric, then it gives them the opportunity to, to, that part's easy, right? Like I can check the professional box. I know that my organization's got the right things checked off for me to be able to lead my organization and my clients the way that I want to. So I actually think it's a great opportunity because you're no longer the commodity that we were four weeks ago because a place to park my money where beta is one and everybody's getting the same return no matter what, now it's like, yeah, throw a dart and make money. Now we're in a position where not only does your skill set as a financial advisor come into play, but it's also, are you going to be the guy that takes a call at nine o'clock when your client calls because they can't sleep because they're freaking out because their kid's going to college in two years and the 529 is down? Or are you going to be the guy that hands it off to the sales assistant? It all, this is our, our opportunity to really drive and bring value to our clients. Awesome. Are you talking about good life and the
1: advisor-centric, client-centric focus? what are the things that you are specifically doing at good life that you think separate yourself so what are those things that you're doing which make you a a unique firm but what are those things because everyone says oh we're fa-centric right we're client focused some of that said i I would love to find the firm that says we're not we're we're all about the money i don't care about the financial advice we're all about about the money (laughs) right exactly yeah let's say it's not about the money but it's about the money but You guys do some unique things, which is part of the reason why I I have you on this podcast. Because I don't, I've never done this before, and so, um, but I do think that you guys do some unique things. uh, Like we were talking about on the uh, on the call before the call about sort of abundance versus scarcity, right? And I think that there are some things that you do as a firm, whether it's a faith belief or not, doesn't matter. That I I think more firms should be doing. And so, can you just take like five minutes and say? What are those sort of unique things that separate you uh, that draw advisors to, to your firm?
2: Especially right now. What happens is that we have the opportunity to lead from the top and the lead from the front. And so for me, I've said from the first day of, of this kind of crisis, I've been in my office at 315 and I've been pushing it until 10 or 11 o'clock every night. What am I not doing? Not sipping on any alcohol. Not because I don't drink and I, it's just because right now I need to be sharp and focused and high energy and running and and running the way that I hope that my advisors are running their business. Leadership starts at the top, right? So we've been recording almost daily videos and pushing them out. Not because I can't pick up the phone and call or put people on a conference call, but I think this interaction, as weird as it is, like not being together, people need to see. That leadership, right? It just goes back to the coach analogy. Like, is the coach freaking out when they're down 20 points? Or is he saying, stick to the plan, we'll make our alterations, and we'll get better as a result of that. So I think this this is an opportunity for, for leadership to step up. You know, our organization, it has, six years ago, we had two people in it. And the last time I looked, we have 206 private practices. So there's been a tremendous amount of growth. talking about You went from two people to, to 200? 206, yep. Yeah. 206 in two years? No, four years. The last Boy. four years. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, in doing that, what happens is that you have a lot of, you have to hire your mid-level managers and you have to hire the service team and you have to build the products and the services and everything like that and have it all harmonized. And so the organization isn't perfect, but what I've been blessed with is a leadership team that even if we don't necessarily feel the same way or think the same way or have the exact same set of values and such, everybody understands enough about what we're trying to do to deliver financial products and services to our advisors in their advisor tool suite so that they can go and be as productive as possible to their clients. You know, a lot, a lot of it is leading like we would hope that people would lead with high morals, high values and, you know, following Jesus. But that's my belief system. It's not necessarily everybody else in the, this team. But what I always say to my wife, you know, one of the interesting things that I've, I've really underestimated since I took this role in starting Good Life is, you know, people are going to say stuff, positive and negative about you. Um, but let your body of work be the things that people judge you by. And I think that that's, that's the message that advisors have to think about too. You know, this is your opportunity to, to almost reshape and reposition yourself within the lenses of who your clients think you are.
1: Say that again. That is, that's the nugget right there.
2: It's the opportunity to kind of re, to, to reshape and reposition how your clients feel about you. You know, I've had a lot of advisors that we've taken over the years from the big wirehouse places. I remember when I got in this business, I'll share it with you, 20 years old, barely 20 years old at the time. And my manager said to me, fake it till you make it go buy the car, go buy the suit, go, go live in the house, blah, blah, blah. And not knowing any better, I was just a broke, fat kid from New Jersey. I took some of that guidance and advice. And what I learned along the way was that that material stuff doesn't matter. It's the impact that you're making that's going to define who you are at the end of the day. And so the advisors that we've been able to take out of that mentality of you got to be something that you're not, or that you're not comfortable in. They're trading in their jaguars for the pickup. Now, the cool thing about the pickup is that, it or not cool thing, is that it costs as much as a jaguar does. But it's it's what the how the clients see you and how the clients feel about you. It gives you this to use this as an opportunity to become the center of your client's life for all the right reasons, not just because you're their financial advisor, but because you're something much deeper than that. Awesome. That's going to be the thing that separates you from the guy that that's, you know, might might be as good or, or a little bit better at picking stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. None of that stuff matters when, when we're going through the moment that we're going through
1: right now. What are you doing right now? And I think part of the reason why we, we, we decided to have this conversation is because some of the great stuff that you were sending out that I was able to get. And it, I think in full disclosure, I think it's fair to say for people that, because I, I know that on my prior podcast, people know that I don't, one of the reasons why i don't have companies on here or interview people from different companies is i don't want this to be product push or a firm push or anything like that and i think it'll be full disclosure to say that we've actually never done although i've i've introduced some firm, some advisors to you we've actually never done any business together but i felt so felt like this conversation and the things that you do are so important that i don't understand how more people aren't doing them that's why i wanted you on this call so th- the last thing is what are you and your senior leadership doing for your firm, so I'm not necessarily talking about the advisors. I'm talking about your staff, your team, right? They're all your your administrators, your ops people, the people that are probably scared and don't really have you know, an advisor. I said to I said to our team one day uh, coming to the office, you know, we're really well. This is a shitty situation. If you think about what we do for a living as consultants as transition consultants, we're really fortunate because our clients don't get laid off, right? A financial advisor. Other than if they're not doing something something right, which then they're not our clients, they don't get laid off. But there's a lot of people within financial services that, you know, are or may be getting laid off for one reason or another. And so there's people that are concerned. Talk to me a little bit about what what you guys
2: are doing at Good Life just to keep morale going. You know, the first thing is we wanted these people to understand that we were, not gonna elect, we were not gonna lose any employees. We were not gonna furlough anybody. We easily could have. You know, Transitions, for example. We're not doing a lot of transitions right now because advisors aren't moving at this moment. They will at some point, but they're not moving right now. So the transitions people, oh my gosh, am I, am I gonna get laid off my health insurance? And this and that, guys, look, Courtney and I will we'll give up everything before we start to lay anybody off. So let's make sure that y'all know that there's gonna be job security, one. Two, we're gonna make sure that we're doubling down on that investment. By enhancing the values and the benefits that we're bringing to our employees so that they have confidence that the, the, the health and the, the infrastructure of good life isn't going anywhere. Beyond that, what we've tried to do is take a message to the marketplace with some of the commercials that we've recently developed that is both positive and pragmatic in the approach of, uh, and the story that we're trying to, to be a part of and that we're trying to tell on, the beha- on behalf of the American people. And also, when we look at advisors that are now taking this as an opportunity to say, you know what? My admin just got laid off, and I didn't have a say in that. How fair is that? You know, Courtney and I got very close to to this legislation in Washington, D.C., and we actually knew exactly how to lead our advisors through that so that they could participate in in making sure that they were going to have some securities for their staff from an income standpoint as it relates to some of the stimulus and everything. So we did that piece of it. Then we said to the advisors that aren't with us yet, are you tired of not being in control? Are you tired of somebody else making those decisions about when your staff is going to get a pay raise, if she's going to get laid off, et cetera? If the answer to that question is yes, then we have a home for you. And in that home, we're also going to double down on helping you to be a better community servant, which I think is what advisors should be positioning themselves as much, if not more than the financial expert is a community leader and a community servant. We're going to double down. If an advisor winds up joining us. We're saying, what's that place that you're working with in the community, and how can Good Life back up our checkbook into that business and help you make a bigger impact in the community? Because this is a time for all of us to lock arms. It's a time for us to think about the world as far more abundant than it is scarce. It's a time for us as Americans to lock arms and say, hey, that's the common denominator. It's not red or blue. It's red, white, and blue. And if we can do that across our industry, across our community, across this country, then the outcome is going to be better than it was before we got into this mess. And I think it's a great opportunity for organizations, not good life, not just good life, but all organizations to take a look at what is that impact statement that they're making and how is that being translated to their advisors? Outstanding. Awesome. I appreciate
1: your, your time. If somebody wants to uh, get in touch with you, aside from uh, reaching out to me, you can email me at frank at com. Uh, how does someone get in touch with you? What's your, what's your website if they want to go check you out?
2: Our website is goodlifeco.com. It's goodlifeco.com. And my email is very simple, CEO at goodlifeco.com.
1: Awesome. Hey, man, I I really appreciate it. I know we sort of threw this in together. I appreciate you being my guinea pig, my first recorded Zoom call podcast. Thank you very much. I wish uh, you guys, your Good Life family, your clients, everybody there, health and safety. Hopefully everyone's doing okay and praying for you guys and appreciate your time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com podcasts.